بسم الله بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وبارك على الأشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا أما بعد فحياكم الله جميعا وبارك الله فيكم الحمد لله ولا فضل الله ونعمته we are able to continue with our lessons which we commenced we began last week where we seek to go through some عنها طالب علم لا يستغني عنها طالب علم يعني the طالب علم as mentioned last week is the text room as mentioned last week is that to do is um, just go through Muhammad and Abdul Wahab and the reason for that is that it gives a lot of context to the text that we go through and the text that he offers so when you are aware of the life that he lived his life in Talib al-Ilm, his life in Da'wah, his life as an individual, you just become aware of the nature of his books and why then his, his books are, are written in such a way and why his books are authored in, in a particular way and why he faced the trials that the Anbiya faced, as we mentioned last week, that the Da'wah of the Anbiya was the Da'wah of Tawheed and that's the Da'wah of Sheikh Islam Muhammad Abdul Hab was likewise. So, I want to just to mention some of the brief points uh, pertaining to his biography and it's the wider biography written by Sheikh al-Islam of our time Sheikh al-Islam Abdul Aziz Ibn Abbas Rahimahullah and so the Sheikh begins by mentioning Sheikh Muhammad Abdul Wahhab his name in full he mentions that he is Al-Imam Muhammad Ibn Abdul Wahhab Ibn Sulaiman Ibn Ali, Al-Tamimi, Al-Hanbali, Al-Najdi So he's Muhammad Ibn Abdul Wahab Ibn Sulaiman, Ibn Ali, Al-Tamimi, Al-Hanbali, Al-Najdi So he's, uh, his nasab goes back to Ibn Al-Tamim Al-Tamimi, Al-Hanbali referring to the madhab that he ascribed to the madhab of Imam Ahmed, Ibn Al-Hanbal Al-Najdi I referring to the area of the Jazirat al-Arab the Jazirat al-Arab where he lived at the time and Najd and so <coughs> that's the, the full name of Shaykh al-Islam Muhammad Abdul Wahab Rahimahullah and Naam he was born Wulidaf had al-Imam fi am alf wa miya wa khamsat ashar hijriya and so that which is well known is that the, the Imam Muhammad he was born in the year of one 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 five. Now, so that the year of eleven fifteen after the Hijrah, and this is what is well known. Now, this is what is well known um, by way of his birth. There are some ikhtilafat, or some people say that he was born in the year of 11, 11 of the Hijrah but from what is well known is that he uh, was born in the year of 11 15 after the Hijrah 
thereafter, he, rahimahullah, he was, uh, he learned his knowledge and he studied his knowledge in the Bulda, the land of Uyena, under his father, first and foremost. Naam. And it was, uh, it was a small, it was a small uh, village to the north west of Riyadh, to where, to where we know Riyadh to be now. This is where he was at the time, Rahimullah. And he was raised in a household where the ilm was at the forefront. And the beneficial knowledge, Islamic knowledge is at the forefront. And so he read from the Quran at an early age. And this is something which was is well known amongst the Imma. That they would uh, begin their talab and with the, re- the recitation of the Quran, reading of the Quran, and, se- and seeking to uh, complete the recitation of the Quran. And he strove by way of his dirasa, his studying, and the fiqh in way of understanding the Quran. And this was by way of his studies uh, with his with his father and his uh, first sheikh Abdul Wahab bin Suleiman. So his first sheikh was his father, Abdul Wahab bin Suleiman, who was a faqih of the area. Naam was called a fiqh of the area. Likewise, he was a qadi. Naam, likewise, his father was a qadi. He was, his father was a, um, a judge in the area. Thereafter, he, rahimahullah, went to Medina. He traveled to Al Medina. He traveled to Medina and Nabawiyah and he studied under two scholars in there, or two two or two of the most uh, well known scholars that he studied under were Shaykh Abdullah ibn Ibrahim ibn Saif and Najdi. Naam. And likewise Shaykh Muhammad Haya as Sindhi. So he said that these two in Medina. Naam. Thereafter, he traveled to Iraq for Talib al-Ain. He traveled to Iraq for Talib al-Ain. And then he, now, so when he was traveling to Iraq, he went to uh, Al-Basra. He traveled to Basra seeking knowledge. And then at that point, this is where his da'wah began. So he made the da'wah of Tawheed, Naam, prevalent. And this is where he began his call to, to the people of Tawheed in Iraq, where he, where he intended first and foremost to go there as a talib, and he, and he taught and he sought his knowledge there. And thereafter, he began to call the people to Tawheed and call him to the Sunnah of the Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu Now, thereafter as well, he called the people to the wajib upon the Muslims. Why? What is upon the Muslims? What is upon them? By way of their deen, which is the Kitab of Allah and the Sunnah of the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu and he would discuss with them affairs of affairs of deen, naam, and remind them of affairs of deen as well. Now, and so this, for the most part, occurred when he was in Basra. Now, this is when he where he was in Basra, and. <clears throat> He faced a lot of uh, trials and opposition, 
and harms from the people. So if they harm some harms from the people, Rahimahullah, right, when he was giving the da'wah in Basra. And so due to that, he left from Basra and travelled with the intention of going towards Sham. However, he wasn't able to reach Sham. And so instead he travelled to Al-Ahsa. Al-Ahsa is um, a province in, in Saudi Arabia and towards the east of uh, Saudi so where Saudi Arabia is now, Al-Ahsa is in the east of the, so the, towards the east of the Arabian Peninsula. And then he met with the ulama of, of, of Al-Ahsa and he, Rahimahullah, studied with them and revised with them in the affairs of Usul al-Din. Naam. Thereafter, he continued his talab and he continued his talab into the beginning of the 12th century. Now, and along with his da'wah as well, along with the affair of his da'wah where he faced, as we mentioned, much harm from the people, he travelled to Al-Uyayna and studied under the Amir, or he, he travelled to the Amir of Man Ibn Muhammad Ibn Ma'mar and he was greeted by the Amir Naam, فَاشْتَغَلُ الشَّيْخِ بِتَعْلِيمِ إِرْشَادَ الدَّعْوَ لَاللَّهِ and تَوْجِيحَ النَّاسِ لَخَيْرِ and guiding the people and directing towards Khair and directing towards that which Allah Ta'ala is pleased with and loves and that which Allah Ta'ala wants from the men and the women and so his affair became well known in Uyena. His affair became well known. Now, and so a time came where he made the request to the Amir, the Sheikh made the request to the Amir of Uyena, of man, by way of saying, Da'na Nahdim Kubata Zayd ibn Khattab. And so he made a request for him, made a request to him to remove the grave and to, to destroy the tomb of Zayd ibn Khattab. For indeed it was established upon other than guidance. And so this grave and this tomb was a fitna for the people and was a means of the people's aqidah being changed of course and what occurred by way of that grave as well was shirk so no doubt the shaykh recognized the importance of its removal and its destruction so the Amir mentions la man min and he doesn't he doesn't have any issue with that. Now, and so the Sheikh did fear that the people of the of this in particular place would revolt in that regard. And 
What occurred was that a Jaish from this, uh, from a particular Korea, Naam, from a particular town which was nearby, they did come out seeking, due to that, seeking to attack the sheriff and to attack and to bring harm to the Amir, Amir Rahman, by way of that. And so, this was a reason for, Naam, this was a reason for the sheriff leading to leave at that particular time. Sheikh Mubaz also goes on to mention the hal of the people of Najd at that particular time. I hope the people of Najd like at that particular time. And the people of Najd in this time, I just the, the area in which the Sheikh lived, they were living in a particular a particular life in which the Mu'min would not be pleased with. Where they would fall in, they were falling into affairs of Shukla Akbar, great uh, major shirk. And this has become widespread in Najd. And the graves and the tombs were being raised. And the people were, were worshipping the trees, the stones, worshipping other individuals, those that they, regard, they regarded as being. Yeah, and the guardians and walis and saints. Likewise, what had become widespread in Najd as well was Sihr, yeah, sorcery and soothsayer. Now, and so this was something that, was, that had become widespread and well known amongst the people. This was before the Da'a of the Sheikh. So, when the Da'a of the Sheikh began, you found that many from the ulama of Najd and the ulama of the Haramain accepted his dawah. And what they would do, they would write to him, Rahimahullah, saying that we have muwafaqa, we accept, we agree with your dawah. Whilst others would oppose him and make it known that they had opposed him. And so the reality was that the Sheriff Rahimahullah remained steadfast in the face of that in the face of the opposition. And so you have a ta'ifa, you have a group from Mahlul Ilm that agree with the Sheikh and they write to him and they say that we have mawafaqa in, 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 in that which you're calling to from the ulama of Najd, the ulama of the Haramain, the ulama of Yemen, and I'm other than them. Then Sheikh Mubazi mentions wa ta'ifatun ukhra min man yunsabuna ila al-ilm raddu alayhi inadan wa hasadan then you had some individuals that and the Sheikh Mubaj referred to them as Yunsabuna ila al These were individuals that ascribed to knowledge. I so many ascribed to knowledge. He, Ibn Mubaz, he does not refer to them as those individuals that actually possess knowledge. Why? Because they 
rejected his da'wah. They rejected the da'wah of uh, Shaykh al-Islam Muhammad Abdul Wahab due to hasad, na'am, due to the envy that they had, and due to the fear that they had for what the people would say. They feared that the people would say, na'am, that why did you not refute these affairs for us before? I we knew about these affairs. I the grave worship. Na'am the sihr. All of these things. Why did you not reject these things beforehand? Why did it take Ibn Abdul Wahhab to come and reject them before we could reject them? Or before the haq comes to us? Whilst you knew. So due to this affair, no doubt of them willing or, or, or hoping for self-preservation and preservation of their status. Now, as seen as ulama of their time, and ulama of the, of their of their particular uh, area. This is why they they rejected his da'wah. So the rejection of da'wah wasn't because they believed it to be Barton, but they saw a threat in relation to his da'wah, and no doubt that the, his da'wah makes cash of the amur. Now it, re, it removes any doubts and it exposes that which has been occurring. And thus, it, and thus, by words, it exposes them. As inadequate dua to that haq. They were inadequate in that and what they were calling to. And so the shaykh began, he continued with his da'wah. And continued to call the people. Naam. And he continued to call the, the people to, to tawheed and the removal of shirk. And so, Naam. This was the da'wah of the Sheikh in general. And then thereafter when the Sheikh Rahimahullah came to meet with Imam Saud, they had the agreement of establishing their da'wah upon Tawheed. They had an agreement of establishing the da'wah upon Tawheed and establishing the da'wah by Imam Muhammad ibn Sa'ud. They came together in an agreement of establishing the affair of Islam and Tawheed in that land. And that's this is where the da'wah of the Shaykh it began. So, no doubt, the da'wah of the Shaykh he did face much trials. But it had its uh, its basis, no doubt, upon Tawheed, and its basis, and it, or rather, the Dawa was in agreement with that which through the Anbiya or upon. And so this is just a, a just a general mentioning of the Dawa of the Shaykh Al Islam, Muhammad Abdul Wahhab, Allah Taala, Alam. Thereafter, what I intended to do was to go into the actual text itself. And as mentioned last week, I wished to um, I wish that inshallah we go through an, uh, some memorization of the text as well and go through that which is beneficial or that which is we are able to memorize together. Inshallah ta'ala. And so what I would suggest 
inshallah so, uh, if the brothers can write this down those that are in that are intent on memorizing intent to memorize I would say that we begin the memorization as obviously from the beginning of the text itself now from the Basmala to the end of the first so the, it, uh, the text is as follows Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim As'allahu al-Kareem Rabbul Arsh al-Azim An yatawallaka fi dunya wal akhirah Wa an yaj'alaka mubarakan Aynama kunt Wa an yaj'alaka Minman idha u'tiya shakara Wa idha utuliya sabara Wa idha aznaba staghfara فإن هؤلاء ثلاث عنوان السعادة إعلم أرشدك الله لطاعتي أن الحنيفية ملة إبراهيم أن تعبد الله وحده, وحده مخلصا له الدين وبذلك أمر, الجميع أمر الله جميع الناس وخلقهم لها كما قال تعالى وما خلقت جن وإنسى إلا ليعبدون نعم that's, where, that's the, the point where we end إن شاء الله for the, for the text نعم as for the text itself Bismillah. Shaykh al-Islam Muhammad Abdul Wahab He begins with the Basmala The Basmala, the word or the statement Bismillah rahman rahim And he does so Apologies before that Just just to mention something regarding the text itself So the first thing regards to Al-Qa'id al-Arwa uh, Al-Qa'id al-Arwa Is um, a text That was actually initially printed alongside Falafat al-Usul so it was in addition to Falafat al-Usul so when Falafat al-Usul was first printed Quaid Arba was printed alongside it and so thus it was, a, it was an, um, intended to be a continuation of, of Falafat al-Usul and the reason why you generally find that the explanations include Al-Quaid Arba and sometimes like ourselves we study this first is due to the fact that you find no doubt much benefit within it by way of a ma'rifah to shirk and a ma'rifah to tawheed as well as its short nature so it's a, it's a means of someone first beginning with their understanding and beginning by way of studying these important texts and um, the short nature allows you to go through the ma'lumat in a small sp- short space of time and it's something that aids, no doubt, the the, um, the talib in studying a text and benefiting from it in a small, in small uh, chunks, if you like. Now, likewise with the text of Al Qawaid Arba, then no doubt this is a text, or the the reason why this is taught is for two specific reasons. There are two reasons. As mentioned by Shaykhana, Shaykh Abdullah al-Bukhari. The first reason is that this text of Al-Qa'id al-Arba'a لا يستغني عنها الطالب العلم That this is something, it's a text that no talib al-Ilm, no one that is seeking knowledge and regards himself as a talib al-Ilm, a student of knowledge, can say that they're sufficed of and they're not in need of. And so thus, no doubt by way of them reading this text and studying this text 
is something where they can benefit themselves and benefit others. The second reason is that anyone that wants to have knowledge of the Aqidah of Ahlul Sunnati Wal Jama'ah and have knowledge of the Khair and have full knowledge of Tawheed then they are in need of having knowledge of this affair of Shirk and that's based upon the Qaidah like the principle which is Min Tamam من تمام معرفة شيء معرفة ضده. That in order to have a full understanding of something, you must understand that which opposes it. So thus, if you really want to understand Tawheed and have a full and a, and a comprehensive understanding of Tawheed, you must understand Shirk. نعم. In order to fully understand the Sunnah. Have a comprehensive understanding of Sunnah, then you have to have a clear understanding of what? Bid'ah. Naam. So you must understand what opposes it. Likewise, understanding what opposes the haqq is a means of the servant of Allah protecting themselves from the evils Naam, that oppose the haqq. Because if you are aware of that which opposes the haqq, then you are, then you are naam, conscious of that and seek to avoid it. So these are the, the two main reasons, as to, or two of the main benefits that we have with a text such as this. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. Naam, thereafter, as mentioned, the shaykh begins with the basmala. The word Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. And the Basmala, he begins with the Basmala, Iqtida'an bi kitabillah wa sunnatin nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So he begins with the Basmala in accordance with the Book of Allah first and foremost. And the Book of Allah, no doubt, it begins with the Basmala in 113 of the 114 surahs. Now, so in every surah except for surah, surah, Tawbah, Naam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala begins with the Basmala. Naam, uh, and as a point on surah Tawbah as well, why it does not begin with the Basmala? It says continuation of the previous surah. Hmm. Some mentioned that. So the Ahlul Ibn mentioned two reasons, two particular reasons why Surah Tawbah does not begin with the Basmala. One of the reasons that they mention, as uh, Abu Khalid Zawla Khair mentions there, is that it's a continuation of Surah Anfal. So it's a continuation of Surah Anfal. Thus there's, there's, there's not the need for the Basmala. Now, the second reason, or the second explanation given for that, Is bara'a from Allah? And the Prophet, so how is there, Bismillah, how is there Rahman before 
There's not a reason though. Something even more simple than that. Something even more simple. Why? What explanation can we give? What explanation can we give as to why there's no basmala before uh, Sosa Tolpa? Other than what that we just mentioned. Because the way of the Prophet Muhammad so that's so as you mean because he didn't say it so no so it's a hammering shaykh it was a separate surah so they just put a separation now let's let's listen to what he said but closer to what you're saying you mentioned from the Prophet so I said so that's not so then what would you say it's not that's not how it was what revealed no and so some of the Mufassirun they mentioned quite simply that all the other surahs were revealed with the Basmala and as for Surah Tawbah it just wasn't revealed with the Basmala as for the exact pinpoint reason Wallah Alam Naam and so you have some so you have some that mention the first reason as we mentioned from the Mufassirun they mentioned that uh, the reason is that it's a continuation of the surah before whilst others mention that it's it was just how it was revealed. Naam, it's how the surah was revealed. Alakulin, so the basmala is in accordance with that which you find in the book of Allah. Likewise, in accordance with the Sunnah and the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That the basmala, he sallam, when he would write his rasail, when he'd write his letters, Naam to the people. He sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would begin the risala with the basmala. He'd begin it with the basmala. So when he'd write a letter to in, in a letter of uh, of da'wah and inviting the people to Tawheed, he would write it and include the basmala. Likewise as well, we mentioned in relation to the basmala as well, is that with it here is Fi'l, uh, which is referred to the Fi'l Takdiri, an action which is I is understood but not mentioned. It's understood but not mentioned. I when we say Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, we say in the name of Allah, Naam, the one or the most merciful, the one that bestows mercy upon the believers, and thereafter. We are mentioning, or we are we we are mentioning the basmala and omitting the action that follows it. Meaning, for example, in the name of Allah, I begin. In the name of Allah, I write. In the name of Allah, I'm I'm reading. Naam. So that which is mentioned afterwards is understood. That which is mentioned afterwards is understood. That which is mentioned upon the tongue merely is the basmala but it's understood that which comes after it as well. And no doubt the person is seeking by way of that the aid of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala his blessings in that which is in any endeavor that he's going to do thereafter by mentioning the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Thereafter as well, 
Shaykh al-Islam Muhammad Abdul Wahhab he mentions As'alullah al-Kareem Rabbul Arsh al-Azim and yatawallaka fi dunya wal-akhira wa yaj'alaka mubarakan aynama kunt wa yaj'alaka mimma idha u'tiya shakara wa idha abtulia sabara wa idha adnaba astaghfara fi inna ha'ulai thalath anwana sa'ada so here Shaykh al-Islam Muhammad Abdul Wahhab he makes dua for the reader Naam, the one that is listening, the one that is in the gathering of ilm. So it's a general, it's a general du'a for the talib ilm. This is a du'a for anyone that this text comes that comes across this text, whether he be the the one that is listening, or the one that is reading it himself, or the one that, for example, is here in the gathering and is listening to the reading of that text. This du'a of the sheikh for the talib is a clear indication of what ikhwah? Gentleness. I have a rift, the gentleness now. What else? Now that the Sheikh wants good for his students. And that the Sheikh, Rahimahullah, he has concern for the affairs of his students. Now that the relationship between uh, a Sheikh and the Talib and the Tilmid is not merely something which is transactional. It's not just a relationship where the Shaykh he comes, he yulk, you know, he gives the dars, yulk the dars and leaves. Naam. And he has no concern for the guidance of the student or whether he's guided or not. Or he has no concern whether the student understood the ma'lumat or not. He just comes, gives the dars and leaves. Now rather, what you find is that the Shaykh, no doubt, he has that relationship with his Tullab as if he had with his own children as well. Where he would seek good for them, and thus this is this is made clear by way of his dua for them. And this is something which you find with the ulama to this day. Now, for example, Shaykh and Shaykh Rabi'ah, Ibn Hadi Madkhali, when he would address his, uh, his Tullab and address the, the, those from the students, Every once in a while, he mentioned the, the dua barakallahu fiqh. I mean, Allah bless you. I, this is a this is a this is a indication of the relationship of the sheikh with his students. Naam that he is asking for Allah to bless them every every so often, asking for Allah to bless his students. And when someone is aware of the blessings of Allah. And what the blessings of Allah can do for an individual. When he asks that for, for others, you know, you understand that's adim. That's something that's waiting. So for example now, we have Shaykh al-Islam Muhammad Abdul Wahab. Naam, a scholar, an imam, a mujaddid, and a reviver of deen. And he is well aware of the affair of Tawheed. And he called to Tawheed, but Naam. Well aware of the status of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If Allah ta'ala gives you something, then no doubt it will be of that which is befitting of his grandeur. Azawajal. And so when the Shaykh calls you to that or calls or makes dua for that, for you to have that, then know that he's asking something which is of great nature. And so thus this dua 
First and foremost, we ask Allah that He protects you in the dunya and the akhirah. For no doubt, the protection of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the greatest of protection. And thereafter, He mentions, وَأَنْ يَجْعَلَكُمْ مُبَارَكًا أَيْنَمَا كُنْتَ That He makes you from those that are mubarak, that are blessed wherever you may be. And the barakah from Allah, the blessings from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, no one individual from the creation can say that they are sufficient and not in need of the blessings of Allah. And the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, wherever you may be, referring no doubt that Allah blesses you in all of your endeavors. That Allah subhanahu blesses you in that which you embark upon from actions of khayr. That Allah ta'ala blesses you in that which you embark upon and you endeavor to perform for by way of your actions. Thereafter, he mentions that he makes you, that Allah Ta'ala makes you from the servants that are, from those that are shakir, that are grateful if given something. And no doubt the shukr, shukran lillah, is a sifa mahmuda, is a praiseworthy rather, praiseworthy sifa. It's a praiseworthy description and description. If the servant of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he's given something, he's grateful for it. Now, no doubt, gratitude is that which is sought from the servant. Most especially, as we mentioned last week, when a person is aware of the, of the rububi of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he's aware that Allah ta'ala is the one that's blessed him with creation, creating him in the first place, and then sustaining him within, with life. Then no doubt such an individual has to have shukr. Such an individual has to be one which is shakir, grateful. And so this is a reflection of that. That the Shaykh makes a dua that indeed you are from those that if you are given something you are grateful. Likewise, he asks, and he mentions that if you are tested, if you are tested, then you remain patient. If you are tested, then you remain patient. For indeed, no doubt, that which a person is tested, what is required from them is patience. The Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he mentions in Ashad al Nas, Bala'an, Al Anbiya, Thumma Amthal, Fa'amthal. That indeed, those individuals that face the greatest amount of trials are the Anbiya, and those like them are those like them. As this statement of the Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, is a clear indication or an encouragement that when a person faces trials in this life they should not despair with the trials that they face rather this is comparative to the affair of the Anbiya that the Anbiya these were the individuals that faced great harms and great trials and so if a person is facing great harms and great trials then he holds no doubt he's like them He's like the Anbiya. He's following in them 
and that which they were upon by way of what they believed in following them that which they probably that which they called to and so that which follows on from that was that which is a lazima for that or necessity for that if you like is that they will face the trials and so if a person faces trials he should not despair about the trials that he faces rather he is steadfast Naam, and he holds on firm in that regard so Allah Ta'ala mentions in Asabatun Masibah Qalu Inna Lillahi wa Inna Ilayhi Rajim And if a calamity was to befall them then indeed they state indeed from Allah we have come and to Him we will return and if they state upon the tongue that which Allah is pleased with only they face trials and tribulations in a way that they, in a way that Allah Ta'ala is pleased with. At the greatest level of sabr is that the individual is sabr, is patient, to the degree that he's pleased with that child. He's pleased with that child before him. And as mentioned as well, likewise by the ulama from them, Sheikh of Thaymeen, that the patience of the servant is of three types. The first is the patience in ta'a. The first is that the servant is patient when it comes to the obedience to Allah. You have to remain patient. You have to remain steadfast in doing righteous actions and being obedient to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The second is that the servant remains patient in staying away from ma'asi. The servant remains patient when it comes to staying away from disobedience. And then the third, and this is what the patient that has been referred to here, is that the, pa- the person has patience related to, to that which Allah Ta'ala has ordained to occur and that which is the qadr of Allah. The third thing that the shaykh refers to here as well or that he makes dua for is the istighfar that if the servant falls into sin he seeks forgiveness the message of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he mentions كل بن عدم خطع وخير خطعين توابون all of Bani Adam will fall into sin and error and the best of those that fall into error are those that make tawbah those that make sincere repentance and so this is the reality of, of the servants they're going to sin they're going to fall into error however the difference between the servant which is mustaqim and is seeking to be upon istiqamah and the one that is wretched and the one that is upon ma'asi yani continuously is that the one that is seeking to rectify themselves or the one that is seeking istiqamah he's, const- he's constantly reflecting upon his actions and the evil actions that he does he seeks forgiveness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the evil actions that he does he is from the tawabi naam he's from those that is ta'ib in Allah and so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
mentions in Allah Hibbu Tawabin wa Hibbum Tutahirin. Allah Ta'ala loves those that are constantly seeking repentance and thus those who are purifiers of themselves. No doubt this actual Tawbah and Istighfar is one of purification of oneself. And so the seeker of Istiqamah, the one that is seeking to be upright, he's the one that is continuously reflecting upon his actions and clarifying that which or clearing and cleansing himself of those evil actions. Whilst the individual that has no import or gives no importance to that, he increases upon evil. And he lays and he lays evil upon evil. And this is the lack of the individual that has the heart and every time and in every time he sins, a black mark, a black spot is placed upon the heart. Until that seal is placed upon the heart and which the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam mentioned And that is the seal upon the heart. And the individual that does not accept or has been has found himself in a situation where he's not accepting of anything, and the heart is not able to accept anything from Haq. And so this is why the individual this is why the Shaykh makes it or makes a point here to make uh, makes dua here that the servant is one that seeks forgiveness. The servant is one that seeks forgiveness. Wallahu ta'ala a'lam. Also to mention as well, there's a final point here. These three things that the, the Shaykh, Shaykh Islam Muhammad Abdul Ha makes dua for. These three things he makes dua for. This is uh, derived from the speech of Ibn Qayyim rahimahullah. Ibn Qayyim rahimahullah, he also likewise mentions the Falafu Anwan al-Sa'ada. Ibn Qayyim rahimahullah, he mentions that there are three affairs naam, that are attributed to the happiness of the servant. He mentions, rahimahullah, the first of these three affairs is Tawheed. The first of these three affairs is Tawheed. And opposite of that is no doubt Shirk. The second is a sunnah, is the sunnah. The opposite of that being, of course, bid'ah. And the third is a ta'ah, with the opposite of that being ma'asiyah. The third is obedience, the opposite of that being disobedience. And these are the three means of us, of the servant attaining happiness. And so Shaykh al-Islam Muhammad Abdul Wahab from the speech of Ibn Qaymi derives from that Naam, these three means of happiness as well and this is why he made dua for these three particular things and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best and in the light ta'ala we will continue next week with the introduction Allah ta'ala a'lam fabarakallahu fikum wa jazakum allahu khaira Naam no, so if a person wishes to make toba, some mention uh, that that is uh, conditional that the person prays two rakah. Now that is two rakah, and then some people believe this, but it's not the reality. Is, is that toba? As long as a person fulfills the conditions of toba, they have made toba. The conditions being that they have left off the sin. Now they've left off the sin and they've fallen into. That they have the azima 
not to return to it. Um, so they have the determination not to return to it. And the reality is that they that they they uh, they are sincere. They sincerely hate the sin as well. They hate that they've fallen into it. So they have the nadama as well. The regret for falling of falling into it. And so this is the reality of uh, of Toba. The person regrets it that they have left it off in reality, and they have the determination not to return to it. These are the conditions. If a person fulfills those conditions. Know that inshallah, they you know they will they will be from those that are uh, always accepted. Sheikh Mubaz he also mentions not as a condition, but as a means for a person's tawbah to become uh, even more complete, if you like, or a better way to go about making tawbah. No doubt is that they uh, cut off any of the wasail, anything that has caused them to fall into the sin in the first place. So no doubt that will be indicative of them actually leaving off the sin. And so he gives an example of the one that is that has uh, fallen into smoking. He falls into smoking and um, he now has all of these cigarettes in his house, for example, or lighters in his house. And then he throws it all out. Now I'm cool, he doesn't want to have any means that can lead him to fall into that sin in the first place, that led him to fall into that sin in the first place. So that will aid him in his tawbah. So Shaykh Mubaz mentions that this is something that will aid the person in their tawbah. Likewise, there is no doubt in the narration about the one that makes wudu and performs the two rakah for their tawbah, or seeking tawbah as well. So this is something which is, um, something which is uh, praiseworthy, if they do so, inshallah, that they, that they um, make tawbah. Um, in that way as well. But it's not conditional. Sallallahu wa barakatuh. Nabi Muhammad wa alayhi wa sallam.